Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance software solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show, and please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. This week, I'm honored to be joined by a great industry friend, Aaron Craddock, founder and CEO of Trucking Clicks by Craddock Holdings, a uh, rapidly growing digital marketing company specializing in lead generation. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Great to have you on. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you today. Uh, I'm anxious to hear uh, your background, You know how you got into the trucking industry, what inspired you to start your own company in 2019. And I'd like to learn, you know, where you are, uh, you know, discuss where you're going. And uh, of course, we've got a deeper dive uh, segment that we, where I'll ask a question submitted by one of our listeners. So uh, you ready to get started? Yes, sir. All right. Well, you seem like a pretty thoughtful person, you know, someone who's, uh, who's focused on learning and growing. And, and I definitely love to learn as you know, you can see with all the books behind me. Uh, can you share uh, maybe a book that you'd recommend, uh, you know, maybe perhaps one that's been influential to you? Yeah. So the one, the one that comes, comes to mind, like in terms of trucking clicks and crowd holdings is the go-giver Bob, Bob, Bob Berg and John David Mann. And specifically there, I, when I started the company, I, one of our first hires was Josh Hines and I was about to reread how to win friends and influence people for the, 20th time. And he was like, no, Aaron, you need to read The Go-Giver. And so I read it. And honestly, it really changed my life with the way I approach business. And so in every conversation I have with someone, I'm focusing on their objective and their goals. So it's not about what business I can get or how we can grow trucking clicks. It's about whatever their goals are. And sometimes they're not even related to the industry. It might be, you know, a family goal, a personal goal. And, and really just to that, that's in just in my day-to-day life in every conversation I have, everybody I meet just focusing on that. And, and with that, we've had everyone on the team either before they join the team usually, or after they join the team, read the go-giver and just have that instilled in our culture. It's not, it's not about going and conquering the business and winning it. It's more about uh, just giving and serving. And honestly, that gives just me more fulfillment rather than a number. Uh, hitting those goals, those are very temporary um, things. But I remember the people that I help. And as a team, as a company, that's what I want our team remembering is just the people we help. I love that. And uh, I think we'll probably get to unpack some more of that as we as we talk about trucking clicks a little bit further. Uh, but even, you know, before we dive into that, uh, I would like to learn just, you know, a bit about you. You know, what's your background and and how did you find your way into the uh, trucking industry? Great. So a little bit of my background. So I was born in South Alabama. So I guess I have a little bit of the Crimson Tide in my blood. Um, went to the University of Alabama uh, for undergrad and master's, got, went back and got my executive MBA there. And, you know, uh, which one thing I don't tell people, I was actually an Auburn fan before Alabama offered me a scholarship. And I actually turned down the scholarship initially. And then I was like, that's probably not a wise financial decision. And so they gave me two days to decide. And so I converted to the Crimson Tide and uh, never, never looked back, bagged up my stuff and gave it to my 
uh, cousin who's an Auburn fan. Uh, so lived in Tuscaloosa for 16 years, you know, after starting school there in 20, uh, 2006 and um, met my wife there. So I'm married uh, 11 years with a two and a half year old and then another one on the way. Um, and then um, recently, two months ago, we moved to Austin, Texas. Um, just we kind of felt a prompting like my wife and I and prayed about it and um, two weeks later, I mean, two months later, we were in Austin. And so, so that's where we are now. I had no idea. I just, yeah. It wasn't even that long ago that we were sitting in a, in a small little diner in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. Sitting across from each other. I think we we're about, our, our noses were touching is how small that little, <laughs> that little you know, table was. And yeah. I had no idea that you're uh, you moved to Austin. So that's interesting. That's a, that's a much bigger city than uh, what you're used to in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been nice to be able to, you know, fly out and fly back the same day. Um, so that, that's one of the, one of the many benefits of being here, uh, and transportation, there's a lot of transportation in Texas too. So, so just tell me what, you know, how did you get into trucking? Like, how did that start? What, what was it that got you into the industry that once you get in, it's, it's hard to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, majored in accounting at UA and entered the job market, coming out of the 08 financial crisis and there wasn't a lot in accounting. And so I bounced around to a couple different jobs. And then I had a friend tell me about pay-per-clip marketing is what I thought he said. And when I actually Googled it, I was like, oh, pay-per-click marketing where people click on things. And that's how little I knew about marketing. And and so I got my start uh, working with a... Um, a growing leading digital marketing company in the space um, and had the opportunity to grow that team from four people to over 65 people over a period of five years. Um, and, and then I think, I think you also asked what got me into starting the business, right? Yeah. Well, that's, I definitely want to know, you know, kind of how you started trucking clicks. Like what was your, what was your inspiration, you know, to go out on your own and, and provide a solution that, you know, obviously the industry just desperately needs. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to do my own business and start my own business. But, you know, I had a great job, you know, flexible work, home, you know, able to go to the gym for two hours at lunch and, you know, had a really flexible schedule that worked great. And so I, I wouldn't really make the jump of quitting, even though I thought about it. Um, and so I actually got called in one day and laid off. Uh, from which I know many of people have experienced. And that day I, I went down by the river and had a Sonic drink. And I was like, how do I tell my wife I just got laid off? And, you know, sat there for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I was like, I need to go do something. And so I went to a startup incubator called The Edge in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and their director was there. And so I met with her and I was like, hey, I have this LLC called Crowdock Holdings that I started a few months ago can I just build a marketing company and, and work here? And she, she said, sure, you know, we have to go through the application process. And the long story short, the next day at um, 8 a.m., I started building Crowdock Holdings at the time, which we served other industries outside of trucking for a couple of years due to a non-compete, and then got back into trucking a little over a year ago, uh, driver recruiting specifically. So, You've grown quite a bit since starting in 2019. Um, 
it, it's hard enough to grow business, right? But in especially in such a tight labor market, it's it's also hard to find great talent. How are you how are you able to overcome that challenge? Yeah, it it has been, you know, a struggle to grow. Uh at the at the same time, you know, we actually haven't had to do much recruiting for talent. Um and we actually have a pipeline of people that want to work for us as we grow, uh, that want to come on. I, I did reach out to, um, I think, five different people that in the course of over the past three years or so and, and just asked, hey, do you want to be a part and shared my vision of where I see us going and how we can serve the industry. And the, what I found is that if the people align with your vision of where you're going, then they actually really want to be a part. And so, um, you know, the people that resonated with, they, they uh, joined me. Actually, one crazy thing, I had uh, a friend of mine uh, quit his job, his nine to five, and come work for me for free for a while um, and, and just to serve and help grow the business and, and be a part. Um, and then also I've had, uh, you know, we had, had a recent hire that, that left, you know, one of the top marketing agencies in the space. And again, she just resonated with our vivid vision and wanting to just serve others. And she's like, okay, well, I see how that could, could you know, grow into a billion dollar company. So, Well, I know that the trucking industry is huge. Uh, there's a lot of vendors that are also participating in, in lead generation and marketing and, and, and those sorts of things. Can you maybe speak to what sets you apart from, you know, other providers of, of similar services? Um, and then, and then separately, I, I know just, and especially in hearing you talk here, uh, there isn't an, an adherence to core values and that's just a big part of your focus. So maybe, you know, you can elaborate on that as well. Yeah. So, so as you know, Jeremy, there are more, you know, driver recruitment marketing vendors than ever before. You know, the industry is becoming saturated. Directors of recruiting, you know, don't want to pick up the phone because they're getting, you know, 50 calls a day from different vendors, different startups, things like that. And so early on, we we just really thought about what, you know, what what would differentiate us um, in the market. And, and what we focused on is just, again, those go-giver concepts focus on serving um, more than anything. And um, our core values are serving uh, others. And so kind of the the go-giver component falls under that. And then radical honesty. And so again, like we really value candor and integrity and anything we say or do, Um, we're never going to lie to make a dollar. Um, we'll, We'll gladly lose business and maintain our integrity if it comes down to that. And then, Lastly, the growth mindset. And so, and, and the reason that actually is a differentiator because not only do we have that growth mindset in our organization where we have to be growing this week, like you're either, you know, you're never static. You're either growing or going backwards. When you think you're static, you're actually going backwards. And so we only hire people that have that growth mindset. And, and that, goes over into the client relationship too. We want clients and partners that have the growth mindset. If they want to maintain the status quo with their current cost per hire, um, current marketing goals, then we're not the right partner because we're going to want to shake things up and test things, you know, partnering with them and uh, experimentation is a big part of that. 
Well, you, you know, you talk about the, the hires that you make and the, and the difference in some of your people and the culture is uh, when you're, when you're trying to find people, uh, you're really looking through the lens of your core values. Do they fit, right? Do they align with those same values? Uh, you mentioned your, that vision. Do they share that vision? Can they get really excited and, and behind it? So I think that's the, an absolute best way to, to grow and add talent. It's not just, well, that person's a rock star. Yeah, but if that person's a rock star and doesn't fit into the, the core value, you know, through that lens, I don't want them because this is more important. And so, um, so that's interesting. And I, and I've heard you reference, uh, you know, sort of think like a scientist. Can you maybe elaborate on, on what exactly that means for, for you and, and your customers? Yeah, as I mentioned, we, you know, we're always wanting to experiment with clients. A lot of that comes from another book, like just like you, uh, Jeremy, I'm also a voracious reader. I just because I just moved to Austin, don't have all the books on the shelf yet. They're surrounding me in boxes. Um, but a lot of that comes from at least at least one place is the uh, Think Again by Adam Grant, the book. Uh, and I actually want to read a quote real quick um, that kind of talks about how we do that. So when I say think like a scientist, I mean value humility over pride and curiosity over conviction. Don't let your ideas become your identity. Company strategy is just a theory. When you talk to customers, a great way to establish a specific hypothesis. When you launch a product or service, that is just an experiment to test your hypothesis. And so that that quote just really spoke to me. And, you know, we already had the experimentation aspect of taking 20% of the client's budget in a given month and testing something new. But again, doing that in a thoughtful way, because um, it's really easy to, you know, blow through hundreds of thousands of dollars in a client budget and get no hires. Uh, and I, you know, my teams have done that in my career. And so what we try to do is think like a scientist as an experiment. And so our team, when they want to allocate that 20% of budget, have to come to the rest of the group and say, hey, the reason I'm going to take this $20,000 this month and test this new strategy is it worked for these three other clients, or I heard it was working in a parallel industry. Um, and so, so it's just, it's very core to our overall strategy. And we've had clients, you know, start with us that don't want to test new things and um, just want to kind of stay in their lane. And a lot of those clients have rolled off. And then the clients that are really wanting to grow and continue to innovate are the ones that have, have stayed with us. And so, um, and, and what, what I find though, more than anything is we attract the people that are wanting to grow, that are wanting to be innovative. Um, and, um, and that too. Oh, and, and another thing I want to touch on, uh, with core, um, values is we, we really, or kind of our differentiator, I guess, is we, we really want to be extensions of our client's team, like part of their team. And so one thing I didn't talk about with Trucking Click specifically is the way we came up with that name idea is we want to add value before the click and after the click. So before the click is a lot of the media placement, ad buying, stuff like that, you know, knowing that, you know, Google client search is going to produce X number of hires. Uh, Facebook is going to produce X cost per hire. And so, so a lot of that, that's before the click. 
And then we want to add value after the click. And so that's really getting ingrained into, okay, well, what are your recruiters doing with those leads? You know, how are they nurturing them in driver reach um, or another applicant tracking system? And so, so it's just that, and that's the type of conversations we want to be in as an organization and not viewed as just another vendor. Like we want to be an extension of the team uh, on our, you know, a lot of call, a lot of clients we have weekly calls with where we're talking through some of that, you know, not only the media buying decisions, but also, um, you know, closing those to an actual driver in a seat. Um, and, uh, and then, well, so let's unpack that a little bit more because, you know, first of all, I, I, I want to say uh, you mentioned uh, Alabama and, you know, I'm wearing this shirt just for you, right? <laughs> this so is just I, for you. It's all time. Um, and I'm not afraid of a little competition, but yeah, That's so right. I, you know, repping the, the trucking industry, I have this Bama uh, 18-wheeler on my desk. So, and it's old school Bama logo. I can't even remember where I got this. Uh, but it's cool. You're never going to get rid of it. So oh, no. that's that's really cool. You'll be passing that uh, down to your children, probably, who may go to Georgia. You never know. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> so, well, you know, uh, you said your background, you know, kind of started in accounting. And then obviously, once you got into into marketing, that's where, you know, things really took off for you. And I'm just I'm curious with that from that perspective, you know, can you share uh, you know, how you view your partnership with the client and take that a little bit deeper. You, you sort of touched on it here, but I'm curious, you know, because because like you said, you, your focus isn't to, you know, come in and save the day, right? Um, what is your philosophy around around the partnership and, and who's responsible for what? Because you're, you talked about strategically um, discussing, you know, sort of before click and you know, after the click and, you know, how, how do you, how do you communicate that and how do you, uh, yeah, who's responsible for what then and, and how, how do you articulate that? Yeah. Yeah. The way a typical relationship starts like with a client is the, on the before the click side. And so typically, you know, we're targeting fleet, you know, fleets with 250 or more trucks and our minimum budget for a client is $20,000 a month. And so, you know, while a lot of vendors have, you know, a $2,500 or $5,000 entry point, ours is a little higher. And part of that is the level of talent I have on the team with, you know, over 175 million in ad buying experience in the driver recruiting space and over 50 years of driver leadership experience. Like we just, um, though we're a young company, we're very mature in terms of talent and experience. And uh, so typically they, you know, the client will start at 20,000 or 50,000 a month. And that's enough. And the reason the budget amount is so important is we want to have enough data on, you know, running it through our lead to hire tool. Uh, You know, what's your cost per hire on this given ad set, ad group, keyword, uh, platform, et cetera, and then diving it in and then, and then um, diving into that and making improvements, thinking like a scientist. And so then the relationship with the client matures into after the click. So it, it's not often that we start with a client because we have to gain a little bit of trust that we can do what we say we can do. Like we can actually produce hires at a reasonable cost. And once we've built that credibility, just because we have a lot of experience doing that for that given client, then they invite us into more conversations around, hey, I'm having trouble with my recruiters, can you give us some feedback on, you know, how the, how they can answer a phone call, you know, uh, 
what to say differently, things like that. And um, so, so that's kind of how it matures from before the click to the after the click and that holistic relationship. And so some of the clients we've been working with for, you know, six months to a year, um, they, those are the clients that we're having the weekly conversations uh, or monthly conversations around improving the whole process. And a lot of times we're able to save them, you know, on the advertising side, we may, you know, improve their efficiency by 10% or save them $250,000. But the real impact a lot of times is, as you know, Jeremy, is on the applicant tracking side, system side, and nurturing those leads and things like that. And so sometimes we can have a 30% pickup helping them on that end that equates to millions of dollars uh, for a lot of our clients. Yeah, so it sounds like you're you're really kind of more of the guide in that scenario than than the hero. The, the, your your customer is the hero. You're helping them. You're guiding them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We. I'm glad you mentioned that, Jeremy. Yeah. We we position ourselves as as the guide, not the hero. Like we don't want to directly conflict with the director of recruiting or or the VP of recruitment or the head of operations at the fleet or the head of HR. We want to come in and say, hey, what are you doing currently? And then where are the areas that we can help you? And and because we're at a higher you know, price point, like entry point, we're able to do a customized solution and be that guy and be that partner. It may be that they're weak on knowing different vendors and partnerships, and we point them in different directions and refer uh, other vendors, or it may be that they're weak in branding and we're able to partner with them there and help there. And basically when they hire us, they're hiring, you know, the entire team, um, our, our growing team and all that experience. And so, so yes, as you said, we're, we want to be the guide. We don't, we don't want to be a conflicting hero in that journey. We've just a, a couple minutes left and there's, there's a couple questions I still want to ask one of those, cause I want to get into the deeper dive question, but, but before that, uh, you know, any advice, any any takeaways for the audience as far as, you know, how they can improve their lead generation and recruiting performance today? Like, what would you say? What one takeaway? Ooh, I have to give one. I had, I had a couple written down. Okay, so I'll start <laughs> with one. So in this is kind of funny coming from a lead gen person that ran performance marketing at a previous company and in the operations role, but invest in your brand. Uh, most fleets have have gotten you know by vendors coached into solely focusing on cost per hire or lead volume or whatever the metric is, and not focusing on brand exposure. And so right now, where you know most fleets have their trucks full, you know relative to six months ago, where they had uh, you know. A, a ton of openings, like now is the time to take 5%, 10% of your budget and earmark it for branding. And and so a lot of that is leveraging video content for branding, you know, on YouTube and Facebook, you can get really inexpensive views and 20x your current content exposure. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's my main one is earmark, just take 5%. Now that you're in a good cycle, take 5% of your current budget and keep spending it and protect it and spend it just on branding. It doesn't mean you're not going to get hires from that, but you need to be treating that as a separate book. That's interesting. And it's an interesting segue to the deeper dive question, because specifically, I thought this was a really good question for you when I saw it, um, especially just given the topic. And the question is, 
the economy is slowing down and we're starting to reduce our spending on advertising. Is that something everyone is doing? Also, how can we get more out of less? Yeah, so what we're seeing, you know, across our clients and then peers I'm talking to in the industry is spend is slowing down uh, or, or in terms of there's less need. And so in Q4, um, fleets are able to make up those margin numbers by reducing some recruiting spend. And so definitely holistically that is happening more. And that's even adjusted for a typical, you know, expected November, December slowdown in budget, as you typically see every year before people ramp up new budgets going into January. Um, and so that's what we're seeing, but it's not everyone. Um, there, there are a lot of fleets that have gotten smart with, okay, now the leads are cheaper than, than they typically are. Like you're getting a cheaper hire. Essentially, the lead cost actually may be the same, but your higher cost might have been cut in half. So they're actually spending more now to get more in their pipeline. So we actually see some fleets increasing their budget. Um, and they did that in similar cycles um, like the one three three years or so or four years ago, and then um, back in 08. And um, even into COVID, a lot of fleets tried, like bucked the trend and they actually saw huge pickups. You know, we saw some fleets grow, you know, three or 400 trucks that they weren't even projecting because they just remained static with their spend. And so um, it's, it's different. I wouldn't recommend that everyone keep their budget where it is. Um, but if you can and if you have it allocated, um, I would do, again, the 5% branding piece, uh, carve that out and keep spending where you can. If you can invest more, uh, get those people in your pipeline that you can bring on when you need them in Q1. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us today, Aaron. Your approach to building a business and, and maintaining an ethical construct is refreshing. And I look forward to catching up with you at some uh, upcoming industry events. All right, Jeremy. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on and roll tide. Yeah, you had to go there. Thanks for joining me uh, for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. And remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.